This is The Drive Podcast with Josh Graham. Welcome to the internet, my friend. How can I help you? Check out The Drive weekday afternoons at 3 on WSJS Sports. Glad to have you on this Friday Drive. WSJS News Talk Sports for the Triad. Where the most important game this weekend does not involve the Carolina Panthers. Thank goodness. We'll get to their game in L.A. eventually, just not right now. See, when you're 1-5 and five and you're a 10-point dog with an interim coach, your game can wait. Especially as we've got a compelling Duke-Carolina game in Durham tomorrow night. A game that you can listen to on WSJS, by the way. I think much like you would approach a conversation with friends... It's good to start broad when talking about a big game before you drill deeper. Maybe you ask how somebody's day's going and how things are going at home before you get into Paul's drug problem. I really need to stop using real names. But back to football, though. Let's look at this at a 1,000-foot view first. Duke's preseason win total in Las Vegas was three. We think you're going to win three games this year or somewhere around that. And entering the month of October, Duke had four wins. Since then, they've come down to earth a little bit. Lost back-to-back against Kansas and Georgia Tech. North Carolina, meanwhile, has just one loss. They are the number one team and others receiving votes in the AP poll. Which is to say, if they win against Duke, they're going to be ranked in the top 25. They maybe have a Heisman candidate at quarterback. And on paper, it would appear this shouldn't be a big challenge for the Heels. I disagree with that, though. Duke's not going to be a pushover. And I think Mike Elko is going to make everything come difficult for Mac Brown in this game. Duke, is there a bigger game for them this year? Wake Forest going to be higher ranked, likely, when they come into Durham next month. But that's not a bigger game than playing your biggest rival. They're likely going to be a bowl team. You'd say that that's bigger than the Carolina game. I just don't agree with that. Not when you have a first-year coach who can win over his entire fan base if he hasn't already done so by beating the team in Chapel Hill. It's in prime time. It's at Wallace Wade Stadium. And a win all but guarantees you a bowl appearance. And it's been a while since Dukes brought in the victory bell, which leads to the series that has been an interesting one over the years. One of my favorite things that happens anytime we get close to a Duke Carolina basketball game being played. You see the graphic. Oh, you know what the graphic is. Every single time they get set to play, you see it. You know Duke and Carolina is going to be close to happening when you see Last 100 meetings, 50 wins for Carolina, 50 for Duke, and they're within like six points. How much they've scored against each other in those 100 meetings. Isn't that crazy? Now, football, you don't play as many games against each other, obviously. So rather than do 100 games, how about we do 10? Duke's playing Carolina. Let's do the bracket or let's do the graphic. Last 10 meetings, five wins for Duke, five wins for North Carolina, five of the games 
decided by one score. I think we're going to get a tight game tomorrow night. Mac Brown, this is kind of crazy, though, has not lost to Duke since returning to Chapel Hill. He's 3-0. and If you go back to his last tenure to find the last time he lost to Duke, you have to go back to 1989, which, by the way, pro tip, anytime somebody asks a Duke football-related trivia question, it's either 1942 or 1989. When Duke hosted the Rose Bowl in Durham because of Pearl Harbor, or 89 when Steve Spurrier had a great year for the Blue Devils. During that season, Duke handled Carolina. 41 to nothing. There's that picture of them posing in front of the scoreboard, winning 41 nothing. Most lopsided game in this series either way since 1959. Second most lopsided ever. And that's saying something because this series has been played all the way back to 1889. So it's been a while. Mac Brown has not lost to the Blue Devils since that day in Chapel Hill in 1989, 33 years ago. He's won 11 in a row in this series. Does he make it 12? I trust North Carolina enough to say yes, that they're going to figure it out. They've won on the road, already 3-0. They put together some good performances this year and have done it consecutively in a way they didn't do last year and even struggled to do in 2020. They've played close games. They seem to be comfortable in that setting. And even though Duke's going to give absolute, complete, empty-the-bucket effort, Meaning that if guys are able to play, they're going to go. And they're going to look like a different football team than Georgia Tech than they were against Georgia Tech merely from a competitive effort standpoint. I am concerned about how banged up Duke has been in a way that I'm not with North Carolina. Getting guys back like Antoine Green and Caleb Hood, who was pretty good last week against Miami. And I could continue to go down the list. Josh Downs comes to mind. By the way, I'm a Bolitnikoff voter in case you didn't know that guy. Pretty good wide receiver. I've got North Carolina 34, Duke 26. Let's get to the Carolina Panthers because I guess we have to. If you're wondering how checked out everybody is about this Panthers team right now, listen to the full press conference today for Steve Wilkes. This isn't a gag. This is the whole thing starting with, they just read out the injury report and J.C. Horn was listed as out. So the first question that was asked, Hey, what's your secondary going to look like without Horn and Jeremy Chin? He's back. You know, you got Miles uh, still back in the secondary as a safety, and then you also have Justin Burr. So uh, we're good at that position along with, um, you know, Champ. And then at the corner position, you got CJ, you got uh, Dante, and you got uh, Keeps Taylor as well as um, uh, Tay Hayes. So uh, we got a lot of guys that's been, you know, with us since OTA has been around here. They understand the system. They know exactly what needs to be done. Uh, so, again, I have no reservations about those guys playing. Do you think Dante is going to be? Yeah, Dante will be fine. <laughs> What's your uh, first like, week been like? Uh, first week's been great. We just need to finish up on a positive note on Sunday with getting a win. So, I appreciate you guys. Hey, thank you. That's the press conference for an NFL coach. 45 seconds flat. That's all it was. And I think I don't blame people for being checked out. I honestly don't know. After Matt Rule's firing earlier this week, 
how much optimism there is at this point with the Panthers. But I have seen more than a few people suggest, oh, I don't know, Steve Wilkes, they might play better. They might play better this week than when they had than with when they had Matt Rule on the sidelines. I am not one of those people. In fact, I feel the need, almost the responsibility to set expectations for this, both Sunday and for the rest of the year. I'm expecting the Rams to remove any remaining hope, if there still is any, of a Carolina Panthers turnaround Sunday afternoon. We're talking about Sean McVay here. Sean McVay is facing an interim coach. Think about that. He is the defending champion head coach. Every team, here's a good sign to tell who the best coach in the NFL is. Who is everybody looking for when they make changes, like Carolina just made? Who are you trying to find? Odds are you're trying to find the next, the next Sean McVay. It's not the next Belichick anymore. You're not looking for who's the defensive guy who's a bit of a curmudgeon, even though I do think it doesn't hurt to go that path. No, everybody's trying to find the next McVay. That's why they keep hiring off his staff. We want to find that next guy. And Carolina is 0-9 in games after coaching changes in 2019 and in 2021. Recent years. They fired Ron Rivera with four games remaining in 2019. They fired Joe Brady with five games remaining in 2021. The average margin of defeat in the four losses they had in 2019, 22 points. The average margin last year, over 16 points. We hear about how the NFL is a game of inches. Oh, it all comes down to the end of the game. You just got to make a few more, few more plays at the end. Except apparently if you're an interim coach or if you have some coaching staff changes. It just feels like you're waving a white flag and those games are not close. Looks like college football out here. How Carolina got drubbed when they've made changes the last few years. And you think it's going to be different now? After you replace Phil Snow with Al Holcomb? Phil Snow is a bright point on this team. How's Ben McAdoo going to be any better? I don't see it. I can't think of one football reason Carolina competes in this game. You might think, oh, the Rams are banged up too. There's some guys they might be missing, including Cam Akers. Okay, Carolina's more banged up. They're missing Baker. They're missing J.C. Horn, as we just talked about there. They're on the road. L.A. has more to play for. Their season's not over. They're defending champs. They need to win this game on their home field. So... I don't see a football reason to believe Carolina wins this game. And honestly, I just want it to be competitive. This is a misconception that people have about what we do. Oh, you hate my team. You hate Wake when I have an opinion that's against Wake. Or I've been hearing a lot from NC State fans lately. Clearly, you hate the pack with your opinions. No, is it just possible I don't believe in your football team? No, it can't be that. I have to have an agenda. Just like I had an agenda against Carolina. Picking them, picking Pitt to win the Coastal last year before picking them to win the Coastal this year. I just want to be right. That's what I'm trying to do here. And one thing that we do enjoy, though, is covering teams that are fun, covering teams that win. Believe it or not, it is more fun covering winning teams than not covering them. So I hope they are competitive. I hope I'm wrong on this. But I don't think I am. I got LA 31, Carolina 16 Sunday afternoon, removing all doubt. This is about to be a dumpster fire of a season for Carolina. A season that I think is about just to get worse. Oh, God.
comes the moment you have all been waiting for. All right, whenever you're ready. This is The Drive with Josh Graham. If you missed any of our conversations with players and coaches from ACC tip-off earlier this week, you can find that on our podcast channel. Search The Drive with Josh Graham on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. Thanks again to the folks at Maynard & Associates Wealth Management. Those folks really helped us out. Omega Sports, your neighborhood shoe store, sneaker shop, um, for sending us out to Charlotte and helping us make that happen. One of the highlights of the entire event was when R.J. Davis stopped by. Obviously recognizing BDOT, that's just par for the course when he's the sixth man of Carolina basketball. And we thought, or at least I'll give BDOT the credit, he thought it would be funny, RJ's from Brooklyn, and DOT has specific New York-style slang that he thought would be make for a funny grammar school segment. So that's the genesis of this. We added North Carolina guard R.J. Davis into our game of grammar school, and this is how it sounded. R.J. Davis is joining us here, and R.J. BDOT, the sixth man of Tar Heel basketball, is alongside. Uh, When this guy's at games, how much does it get you hyped when you see the crowd getting into it because of him? Whenever I see BDOT, I get hyped. That's my guy right there. Just He's like the energy uplifter. He gets the crowd going. He gets us going, and that's something that we need just to see him walk out that tunnel. You see B-Dot right there on the floor uh, with the mic in his hands. You know, it's going to be a, a special time at Dean Smith Center. Here's a way that he helps me, though, that I don't know if you know about. Dot, you want to tell him how you've been helping me? Absolutely. Um, see, when he's in the locker room, he needs to know how we talk, right? He needs to know urban vernacular. Because so, I'm white. 100%. <laughs> he's very Caucasian. So we started a game on his show mm-hmm. called Grammar School. His name is Josh Graham. So we have grammar school. I give him urban words, and he has to give me the definition. Okay. But because you're here, and we know that you rep the 914, yeah. and you know that in New York they have their own type of slang, yeah. I got some New York slang words here that I'm going to ask Josh, <laughs> and he's going to need your assistance if he can't get them right. Can, okay. Would you be willing okay. to play with us? So I'm going to help him out if he don't. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Let's play the sound, though. It's okay, let's called go. grammar school. Okay, let's go. Josh Graham has his own way of speaking. In high school, he didn't play sports, but he did wear a helmet. And just when you think it can't get any worse. My English teacher wanted to flunk me in junior high. Damn. Thanks a lot. Next semester, I'll be 35. Josh is going to attempt to learn B-Dot's vernacular. I'm from the old school. I got a street so knowledge. You know what I mean? You know what Thank I'm saying? Guys. It's time for B-Dot's Grammar School. What is the first word you got for me, B-Dot? This is a term used in New York a lot. RJ can attest to that. The word is mad. M-A-D. What is mad? So it's not like an adjective, like somebody is mad? No. I'm going to say like mad is like somebody is, I'm going to say it's like hype. Like you're like excited, like somebody is mad. Because it can't be angry. Right. What does it mean, RJ? It's basically like an emphasis on something. So if I was to be like, oh, B-Dot's mad chill, like we're just adding that word. Oh, so it's it. like really good. Uh, yeah, yeah. Barely. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, like, like RJ got mad buckets against Baylor. That's Remember? a lot, you know what I'm saying? Oh, <laughs> yeah. okay. Mad. Okay. Darn it. <laughs> yeah, all right, Ned. 
Absolutely. Next one. What does dead ass mean? Oh, like, okay, I got to make sure. <laughs> Usually it's like dead ass serious. Okay. Right? Right. So I'm going to say it's like like strongly, like really something like really super serious. Yeah. Okay. You got that right. There all it right, is. All right. Say less. All right. All God, right. Dead ass. So it comes down to this. <laughs> <laughs> Last word. If he gets this word, he has to get I two I love how he laughs right. at me saying it. Absolutely. Again, I'm very caucastic. If you call someone your son, what does that mean? <laughs> if you call someone your son, what does that mean? Would it? Could you put Duke in the Final Four in that context? Absolutely. It means like you own them. Like you're better than them. You're my son. That's what it means, I think. RJ. Is that right? <laughs> RJ is not Yeah, like, yeah, like, like, he's my son. Like, that's like, you, you kind of like, kind of like little bro. Yeah. Oh, okay. But you sure. got that right, though. You got that right, Thank though. Thank you. Like, I would say, like, Puff is my son. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> so it's like when guys are on the floor and they do, like, the big man. Yeah, like, when people thing. do that, like, like, yes. like, you know, like, my son. Like, when they point to the floor, like, yeah. It's my son. See how this helps you so much? Hey, but you did a good job, though. You did, though. Thanks. That's great New York. If you go to New York, you might be able to have you a You might be valid. You might Ooh. be valid out there. Or when I'm just around in the locker room, when yeah. I'm cutting yeah. it up with you guys, yeah. I can actually figure things out, which I, I appreciate. So yeah. that's been Grammar School. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it right. <laughs> yeah. You know, I feel good about that. It's good to have you on, RJ. Best appreciate of luck that. this season. Thank appreciate you so much. the time. Thank you for having me. There he goes. RJ Davis. That was delightful. I really enjoyed that. And I was talking with Dot earlier today. And similar to the way I want to welcome people in because our audience continues to grow who might not have known about the origins of the Armando Baycott drop. Armando. Still waiting on the new one, by the way. We'll get there on that. I don't know if everybody knows the origin of B-Dot being the sixth man of Carolina basketball. Do you know this story? Uh, And you're the producer of this show. Bits and pieces, but... B-Dot and I met three years ago at that event. And many people in the sports media did not know who B-Dot was. Many of the coaches and players did not know who he was. I wouldn't say many of them knew who I was, as I was still getting started in the triad, and now we're the longest local running sports talk show in the history of this market. But Dot was telling me, he's like, man, I want to do more sports stuff. He was doing, still doing stuff at Jams. He's like, man, I got a lot of stuff to offer, and that's a passion of mine, and it's been really difficult. Like You just look around the sports radio space. You don't see a lot of people of color. You don't. And he created this brand in hip-hop, and in the urban market that didn't have as much crossover, it seemed, into sports radio and sports media. So I'm not giving myself so much credit here, but I was just a guy who got out of the way and said, hey, you could come on our show. And he came on and we started doing grammar school in November of 2019 was the first time I think he came on the show. And I gave him a brand because I didn't know what to call him, the unofficial mascot of Carolina basketball. That's what I called him, the unofficial mascot of Carolina basketball, not knowing that BDOT is a master marketer and a great salesman and a great promoter of himself. And he took that and turned it into a brand and started 
uh, the Heels house and all of this and and started putting things together to the point where I remember getting a text from Jones Angel, voice of the Tar Heels, who said, who is this guy? Who is this guy? And should we have him on our podcast? I said, well, only if you go on a really entertaining podcast. And then he went on there and all the Carolina fans who listened to that fell in love with BDOT. And I think that's around the time that he got on the radar screen of Hubert Davis. So that when things changed and Roy retired and Hubert took over, it only made sense to have that guy at a late night event and, and running that. And then when he knocked that out, Bubba Cunningham thought, oh, we need to have this guy at every home game. And that's what it became, where he became the sixth man. So I take only credit in being a guy who gave someone who was well overdue an opportunity, the opportunity to be great. And that's what he's been. And going to that event again and and co-hosting a show with BDOT three years later and seeing how everybody in that room now knows who he is and knows about the show and players and coaches and everybody, the way they would interact. Uh, it was a pretty emotional thing. And hearing Hubert Davis talk about BDOT the way that he did as a recruiting asset, um, it would be a remarkable thing to consider if we could tell us three years ago how that relationship, which I, for me personally culminated with him being um, a groomsman in my wedding has developed over the last few years. One, three. You're on the air. Wake up with Jeffrey Griffin and Triad today. Weekday mornings at 7. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. Duke and North Carolina can win the national championship. They're good enough to win the whole entire thing. They both might be in the final four. Sounds like common sense analysis for this coming basketball season. But that's actually the voice of Josh Pasner in January. Before North Carolina lost to Miami and Wake Forest by a zillion. And he got dragged through the mud. What? Carolina could be a top 10 team? Carolina could make the final four? I know Josh Pasner's an optimistic guy. I didn't know he was into the drugs too. That was the general reaction. This might be the most positive segment we ever do in the history of this show. Because weekly positivity is in just a few minutes. But right now, talking about his correct opinion from January, our conversation with Josh Pazner. We're here at ACC Tip-Off, Uptown Charlotte, where the head coach of the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, Josh Pazner, is our guest now. A lot of people in my business, a lot of people in the national media kind of clowned you a bit in January when you kind said, uh, I was at the Georgia Tech-Carolina yeah. game the day after when you were talking about Carolina being a Final Four caliber team, of course, and Duke as well. They got there. So this is a victory lap for you, Josh Pazner. I'll let you take it. Well, let me say this. Uh, you said kind of. It wasn't kind of. It was just – it was a barrage of just – you know, uh, people thinking I was crazy when I what I said about because after our game I said Carolina's good enough to, to win the national championship, go to the Final Four and possibly win the national championship. And uh, I, you know what? The other thing is when we played Miami, I told him I said Miami's a, a team that can make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. And this was you know before they, and people thought I was you know. So I'm not saying I'm a perfect predictor, but I've been, I was pretty good last year in that in that projections and. Uh, um, 
actually Carolina turned out really, really good, and and I think Carolina is really good this year. You, let me think. Let me tell you this. Here's what I think. I think North Carolina should be preseason number one in the country, which they they are. But I think the number one team should be preseason the ACC poll to win the league is Virginia. They're my pick to win the ACC this year. And I'm telling you. Yes, Carolina number one nationally. They should be preseason. They got you know pretty much everyone back. But Virginia should be picked to win the ACC uh, league this year. I think Virginia's really, really good. And I think the league this year is really deep and good because you've had a lot of guys who should have left. But because of COVID or the NIL, they're back. So it makes the league that much deeper and just more even just a lot of individual talent. And uh, it's going to be a heck of a league this year. Yeah, just when I look at Virginia, 20 games – it's hard for the cream not to rise to the top. And when it comes to Virginia, you have your six leading scorers back. Who else in the league well, can say that? Well, not only that, they've got a really good recruiting class. Top ten recruiting they've class. They've got they've got really good um, transfers coming in. The kid from Ohio. But you know what the problem with Virginia is, and Tony Bennett? It might be they have too many good players. <laughs> and and really, they might be so deep. You know, how do, the chemistry part of that, that's maybe the only negative uh, that happened against them, you know, because they've got a lot of talent on that team. And, of course, guys are going to play. But, but, but like, a guy like Kia Clark, I mean, he's a stud. Yeah. And he should be gone, you know what I'm saying? But he's back, and he's really good. And um, so, yes, you're, they're, 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 really, they're a really good team. They've got a lot of weapons back. And I thought they should have made the tournament last year. They won 12 games in the ACC. You know, everyone forgets about that. Everyone's talking about Virgi- Wake Forest, who sh- should have made it. They, did, they were 13-7, but Virginia was 12-8. and eight. This goes back to perception that Steve Forbes pointed to something uh, last March talking about the way things are discussed in the media when it comes to the ACC. Some of it you can't control, but also it's just interesting how things are painted sometimes. Like you take Virginia. There's going to be a perception this year that it's Duke and Carolina and then everybody else in this league, while Virginia might be the best team in it. What – are, is there anything you could do to fix the national perception yeah, other than well, win these I, non-conference games? No, what games? it is is, is and you know, look, I have great respect for the media, and but a lot of the talking points for the media is when Duke and Carolina aren't top five in the polls, like national polls, they think the league is down. And because Carolina struggled early um, and and um, they just assumed the league was, was down. And unless Duke and Carolina are top five, then people in the national polls think the league's not that good. And that's because of the historical perspective of Duke and North Carolina. And, and, and people have also looked at now, because of Tony Bennett and Virginia's success, they'll put them in that map too. And they struggled early. They lost to, James, I think, James Madison, That's was right. it? And James Madison. So, so they weren't in that early season discussion, so they just assumed that the national media or the local media, the talking points was the ACC's not a good league. It's just not a good league. Well, that was the exact opposite because our league was really good, three teams in the Elite Eight. And, and if Virginia Tech did not beat Duke in the championship, they would not have gotten the tournament. Which is crazy. And if Texas A&M had beaten Tennessee in the SEC championship game, Notre Dame would have been left out. So that means you would have had three teams in the, in the NCAA tournament from the ACC. That's, that's ridiculous for that, as good as this league is, but part of that was perception-wise. While I got you here, Josh Pazner, I've been told by somebody who knows you, I won't say whom, to ask you, about these three things and how they're linked together. I don't know the story, but we'll see if you can put it together. John Calipari, NC State, pizza. <laughs> yeah, no, you know what? Um, North Carolina State wanted, offered John Calipari the, the job when he was, at, he was the head coach at Memphis. Uh-huh. And um, uh, NC State, so he went out to NC State to meet. They kind of went secretly in a sense. And um, while he was driving around campus, he went to a pizza place, didn't like the pizza. 
and <laughs> one of the reasons he didn't take the job, I'm sure there's a little deeper than just that, but he'll, he, they didn't. Foreshadowing. For, he just didn't take the job, and he didn't, didn't feel right with the pizza place. It's Patrick Ewing-esque of when he visited Carolina yeah. infamously once he, upon he, a time. He didn't feel right with the pizza. And it's, look, it's all worked out for John Calipari. Yeah. It's been, it's, North Carolina State's in great hands with Coach Keats, but, but, uh, but Coach Calipari you know, obviously made the right choice. He stayed at Memphis and had an incredible run, and, and obviously what he's done at Kentucky is, is uh, legendary. Got to ask you on the way out, best pizza in the Atlantic Coast Conference in terms of a city. If I'm taking Atlanta off the board. Ooh, uh, good question. I'm a pizza guy. I love pizza. Yeah. Um, and um, What uh, city, I guess? You know what? I, I, last year, we, because we, we had some plane issues and we had to stay the night, in Pittsburgh, we had to stay downtown Pittsburgh, uh -huh. and there was a couple good pizza places in Pittsburgh that we ended up getting that was like, this is pretty good pizza. I'm sure John Calipari would agree with that. Yes, I think he probably would have. So there's a lot of good spots all around of, of the pizza places, but Pittsburgh's sneaky, sneaky good with some pizza choices there in, in downtown. You're on in Winston-Salem and Greensboro. I'll just point out, the last time an ACC tournament was in Greensboro. Georgia Tech we're, we're, and we're looking for we'll be right back staying at the um, uh, uh, what's uh, gosh, uh, the Grandover. We'll yes. be up at the Grandover. That's where we won the championship. We stayed there. We'll be back at the Grandover this year. We're looking forward to it. Hopefully we're not playing until Thursday. That means we'd be a top four seed. But long way to go before then. We just want to be able to get to November 7th, our first accountable game. I just want to win that first game. Well, I hope you get that win, and I hope we see you in Greensboro. Thanks so for I. the time. Absolutely. Thank you so much. That's Josh Pazner. Given what he said about Carolina back in January, I feel a lot better. I forgot that he said that about Virginia. I think Virginia might be the best team in the ACC. Oh, I'm right there with you, Coach. Aha! Submitted my preseason ballot with the Who's number one on it. That's a positive guy. We're generally pretty positive, too, especially when we play weekly positivity. something you'd like to share with us that is good 336-777-1600 is the phone number or you can tweet us at WSJS radio I'll get us started I don't have to go to a Panthers game on Sunday they had three consecutive home games which really has put a wrench into my weekends so I have a chance to get some more sleep it's gonna be my most relaxing weekend that I've had in quite some time so I'd say that's good how about we go to the phone lines really quickly Angela and High Point is with us Angela, tell me something good. Oh, I have something so good. What is that? You all, you, Josh, and B-Dot, you're like peanut butter and jelly. You just go together like 
Oh, good. What? If you had to pick who's peanut butter and who's jelly in the equation, what would you say? Well, I'm a peanut butter lover, but it's really hard to not have jelly. Okay, so you love peanut butter, so Dot's peanut butter, and I'm probably jelly. That's how that works, I think. Thanks, Angela. Thanks for the call. Kyle, the Amazon driver, really quickly. Hi, Kyle. Hey, Josh. Tell me something good. Well, I believe it was Monday, if I play it right. I just had a birthday. Happy birthday. Wow. Wow. What'd you do for your birthday? Whoa, Josh, I had a real banger of a birthday. I started off the day by waking up, taking a shower, played Fortnite for three and a half hours, fell asleep at 2, woke up at 4.30, and that was it. (laughs) Well, that's good, and I'm out of time, unfortunately. But it's so good. Happy birthday, Kyle. Kyle the Amazon driver. That's been... Weekly Positivity, The Big Four is next. You're on the drive with Josh Graham, WSJS. WD, it's time for your favorite segment of the week. That's right. How long has this music been playing? Because I was talking to some folks outside the studio, and then I saw you staring at me. Uh, We just had about 35 seconds. 35 seconds? Well, just now. I mean, it played about 20 seconds before you got in here. But Sorry about that. We like music, so that's okay. Like I said, Friday afternoon, it's 4.30. It's about that point. Who is really locked in right now on work at 4.30 in the afternoon on a Friday? Just because I do a sports radio show that has my name on it, I'm excluded from that? Let's get the business. Woods of Terror is here. McLaurin Farms in Greensboro off of North Church Street. Easily the triad scariest haunted thrill park. I love stuff like this. Fear Farms, Thrill Parks, I'm in. You've got to watch what next week? Uh, The Shining. Right? That's right. Yeah. Get to watch The Shining, which you haven't seen before. I think you can't claim to be a horror movie guy without having seen that movie. Sure. So you can. I've, I've taken your card. I revoked it. I see. I'll return it to you after you watch that movie next week. But getting back to uh, McLaurin Farms and Woods of Terror, the Monster Parade starts at 7 o'clock. That's with the casket car and Monster Midway, Dawn the Snake, the entire deal. Do not miss your chance to be scared, dare I say terrorized, going top shelf with some of my scary terms here. Hashtag spooky season. This Halloween season, get your tickets, woodsofterror.com. Are you ready? They're ready for you. I'm ready. 
to recap what's been an insanely busy week in WD's favorite segment that we call Keep It Simple. Five words or less. It's simple, man. That's all Josh gets to tell you where your favorite teams are at. It's as marvelous and as simple as that. Let's keep it simple. Five words or less. How many topics today? Got six. Six topics. Probably could have been 12. A lot of things happening. But before we dive into that, let's get a Friday dance break in here. That's what you did. Boom. I'm sure that's been said in the club before. I'd bet on it. Dude. Just threw back one shot too many, one Jägermeister, and I vomited back on a child. Boom. I don't know how you can top that story from Steve Forbes, but where are we starting this week? And keep it simple. With the inevitable... The firing of Matt Rule. Quarterback cost him the job. I hear some saying it's about him being a college coach and the stuff that he tried in the league didn't work. No, it wasn't. There are situations that's the case. NFL players were not buying what Urban Meyer was selling, for example, last year. And we saw Bobby Petrino and Lou Holtz quit in their first years. Matt Rule didn't do that. Now, he was paid handsomely, which I think kept him in the post that he was in if he was considering college jobs. But when we tell the story of Matt Rule, it's not one of those college flameouts. And that's the reason why he didn't win. It was he never was able to find the quarterback. He wasn't able to find the franchise guy. There's a lot of context there. They took swings at Matthew Stafford, even at a better offer than the Rams did. Didn't work out there. Deshaun Watson, obviously, that became untenable for a little while. Carolina, it was time to fire Matt Rule, but the reason why I think gets lost, it was because of quarterback. LaMelo Ball's injury. Let's start tank for Victor. Are you in? I'm in. Can you imagine LaMelo throwing lobs to that guy? No. Because again, his he's 7'4". His forehead will hit the rim. Yeah, he's an alien. No, he's alien. That's right. That's who he is. Charlotte should tank for that dude. Period. I was told that the Hornets by people I trust in the league. Charlotte LaMelo Ball is good enough now in year three that if he's on the floor, Charlotte's going to be too good in order to get a guy like Webb and Yama, especially with teams that are going to be for sure tanking for him. The Hornets are too good for that. But now that Miles Bridges isn't around, and I don't know if he's going to be around this year, and you didn't get the coach that you wanted because he backed out at the last second of Kenny Atkinson and you had to settle for Steve Clifford. And now LaMelo Ball's injured for at least first few weeks of the season that starts next week. Embrace the suck. Tank and get one of these guys. Webanyama, Scoot Henderson, and there are a couple others that people say are transcendent-type players as well. ACC tip-off. 
Virginia will win the league. I know Carolina fans don't want to hear that. Josh, we almost won the national title. Yes, you did. You won six games in a row in March. It got really super hot. If you didn't beat Duke and Durham, though, the last regular season game of the year, you're probably not making the NCAA tournament still. And I think there's a gray area. I don't think Carolina's as bad is going to be close to as bad as they were during the regular season a year ago. But I don't know if they're this superhero team throughout the season that we saw in the tournament. They're likely somewhere in between like UCLA a year ago. And I think Virginia, with everything they have coming back, their top six scorers, a world-class coach, some national cha- still some guys from that national championship team around, including starting point guard Kihei Clark. I really like the way this roster is put together. A top 10 recruiting class, a transfer coming in from Ohio that's pretty good. I think Virginia will win the week. The start of Kane's hockey season. Stanley Cup finals or bust. I add finals in there. Number one, because I have to get the five words. Number two... It doesn't feel right to say you have to win the cup or else it's not a great season. How about get to that stage? Like if they get to that stage and you lose, I'll be super bummed out. But I'm not going to say it's a failure. No. Like at some point you need to break through. And we've seen this team get to the conference finals a few years back. And we've seen this team, you know, win playoff series to get to the second round. But oh, how many times are you going to lose to the Rangers after leading in that series? You're going to get rolled off the ice by Tampa. Uh... I, I want to see Carolina take that next step with this young group, and we'll see what that looks like. This week in Washington, Commanders football. Panther fans should have perspective. We were talking with Permar, and he said, oh, man, Carolina might be seen as, like, Cleveland one of these worst sports cities because David Tepper might not be a great owner and the Panthers didn't win. And I hear people complaining this type of way and it makes me roll my eyes because if you're a Washington sports fan, what are you really super excited about? Hey, Alex Oveshkin might get close to the record. Gretzky's scoring record. That's cool. How good are the Caps? Not that great. Awesome. Washington Wizards. When's the last time anyone was excited about something regarded the Wizards? I'd love to hear about that. Wizards basketball. The Commanders are a dumpster fire. Their stadium is an actual dumpster. And you think that Carolina's got it worse than them? No. Dan Schneider, that owner, are you kidding me? It's true. When people say, odds are in life someone has it worse than you have it. And in the Panthers' case, and Charlotte is a sports town, and North Carolina is a sports state. There are plenty of places that have it a lot worse than we do. I can guarantee you that. Last, but I think if you said least, we might have to pop you. Steve Forbes throwing up on a kid. I respect the double vomiter. (laughs) See, in America, if somebody shoots at you, you shoot back. That's fine, right? That's self-defense. Last I checked. That's true. That's right. If you punch me, I could punch back. 
You vomit on me. I don't care how old you are. I can vomit back on you. I wish I asked how old the kid was. How what, what? How old's the kid in your head? You're picturing it in your head. How old is the kid? Six. A toddler. Six. Five, maybe. Yeah. I think that's right for Forbes to be so focused on the fact that he has a personal pan pizza. Sure. By the way, really good, by the way. Love personal pan pizza. Oh, I'm a fan. Just not of it vomited on me. No. I'm going to defend Steve Forbes in this case. That's been Keep It Simple. Let's get one more dance break in here. Respect the Panther. Respect the Panther. I vomited back on the child. We've got to win some games. Merry Christmas, everybody. (laughs) I will see you there. I love those redheads, man. Say, man, you got a joint? Uh, no, not on me, man. It'd be a lot cooler if you did. Excellent. Who was that second laugh? Yoda. Oh. That's been Keep It Simple for this week.